This is Public Occurrences, both foreign and domestic. And now your host, Michael O'Fallon. now being quickly transitioned from a physical, objectively true analog world and into a hyper-real alchemical fake digital world. And in transitioning our world into this fake world of simulated hyper-real politics, simulated life and pretend faith, you will be experiencing people who are well-trained actors, men and women, who will declare themselves as leaders with a plan. And this is how fifth-generational warfare actually works. See, once your enemy gains the informational upper hand and begins to expose your manipulative game, you don't necessarily try to beat your opponent by using your already exposed narrative. No. You now join your adversary by inserting actors who will grift off the momentum created by the grassroots and honest leaders against, let's say, wokeism, against the simulacrum of transgenderism, against the move to destroy capitalism. And because your honest adversary is now showing themselves to have the upper hand, you now begin saying the same things that they are saying, but much louder with some degree of hyperbole and exaggeration. At the same time, you basically take a page out of professional wrestling. That is, professional wrestling for those of you in Arkansas and Texas. And you play a constant grand thespian play of good versus evil, with those that you were just partnering with a few months ago. Because it's all fake. Fake and managed. And you proclaim your conservative bona fides louder than anyone else. You incentivize others to come alongside you. You infiltrate the camps of those that are authentic and declare yourself as the actual authentic one. You pick fights. You lead good men and women down paths of eventual destruction and conflict. You sow division wherever you can. And you begin to parrot things that were once said by the side that you wish to imitate. As you become the false leader of a now new false tribe. And one way that you authenticate yourself is by luring men with good reputations into supporting your deception and malfeasance. Because your goal isn't truth. Your goals are not what you say your goals were before you are given the reins of power. No. And you initially pretend to do the right conservative populist things in the beginning. Well, you do this because the only thing that you really care about is power. But the gradual slide towards progressive and technocratic intentions will start before too long. And the phony conservative will initially, in the beginning, gain some momentum. And in the very beginning, when they have the reins of power, because in the beginning, at their very start, they have to seem to be more right-wing than the right-wing, more anti-woke than the anti-woke, even though, even though they were nowhere to be found on any of these issues on the right side just a few years ago. And as we are being manipulated by propaganda in politics and faith and our financial decisions, more so than at any time in history, you might want to be on the lookout. 
for these kind of people, for the technopopulace. Those that have the technocratic expert elite class, top-down, singular power solutions that are saying the things that are popular now with the people. But in most cases, they are just using the message that the people want to hear to gain followers, to gain phony credibility. And they will always seek to grift off of and defeat those that were truly conservative and truly for the right things. Now, as Edward Bernays would state in a book that was written nearly 90 years ago entitled Propaganda, Bernays would say, quote, No serious sociologist any longer believes that the voice of the people expresses any divine or specially wise and lofty idea. The voice of the people expresses the mind of the people, and that mind is made up for it by the group leaders in whom it believes and by those persons who understand the manipulation of public opinion. It is composed of inherited prejudices and symbols and cliches and verbal formulas supplied to them by the leaders, end quote. And so today you have the rise of the technocratic dictatorial rulers, those rulers who want to rule on both the right and the left. You see, again, we have the dialectic actually in sway here. So this technocratic tiny elite that are both on the left side and the right side, and many times they want the same things in the end solution or in the final synthesis. They just have a different way of getting there. We call them the old Hegelians or the young Hegelians. The old Hegelians would be more conservative in terms of their social outlook. The young Hegelians would be the radicals. And both sides would basically want the same things on the way to their actual solutions. They would both want the gradual abolition of private property, a guaranteed minimum wage that will see jobs replaced by eventual robots, the encouraged elimination of our U.S. dollar, the false promise of digital sovereignty, the rejection of objective truth, a crackdown on personal liberties, and curtailing freedom of movement. Now, in some ways, either they could go through the hard lockdown type of uh, enviro lockdowns, uh, restricting your freedom of movement, either by saying that you don't have enough carbon credits, or it can be simply those that are directing you towards their small techno-feudal societies and saying, this is the place where it's safe. So there's two ways of accomplishing the same goal. And this happens on both sides as our nation is fractured and balkanized. And it's being done by techno-populists. Technocratic in their goals, populist in their messaging. And the key in all of this is to be aware of it and to not be fooled by populist movements, whether it be on the left side or on the right side, especially within Christian camps and tribes. Well, maybe you would like some real examples of what I'm talking about. Well, it was just a year ago that the entirety of the conservative world seemed to be on fire with support for Giorgia Maloney, because Italy had just endured a few very difficult years under the despotic thumb of the evil dark lord, Mario Draghi. I mean, even his name sounds like a villain out of a mafia movie or out of a James Bond film. Mario Draghi. 
And even Mario Draghi was one of the very worst leaders in the world in terms of imposing insane lockdowns in Italy, not allowing the unvaccinated to travel on public transport, not allowing the unvaccinated to buy food at the grocery store, imposing mandates that everyone over the age of 50 must be vaccinated with the magical mystery medication that did nothing to help anyone avoid catching the virus or transmit the reflexive virus. Mario Draghi then began to impose other rules on farming and force the culling of livestock, which led to the blocking of roads in Italy throughout the summer of 2022. Mario Draghi, being, of course, the former European Central Bank president, was also leading the transition for Italy out of physical cash and into central bank digital currencies. Draghi was also leading the push for gender reassignment, self-identification of gender and diversity equity, and inclusion rules to upend the meritocratic system. And of course, Mario Draghi is an agenda contributor at the World Economic Forum, the Eye of Sauron, in other words. So it was with a breath of fresh air when Giorgia Maloney began to rise to prominence. Yes, Giorgia Maloney. Because Giorgia Maloney was saying all the right things. Giorgia Maloney said things like, we need to get a back at a boy is a boy and a girl is a girl. And the crowd would go wild. She would fumble through her notes and for the pre-prepared Chesterton quote, let's see, uh, where is uh, that paper prepared by my consultant? Oh, there it is. Uh, quote, uh, fires will be kindled to testify uh, that two uh, two will make a four. Uh, swords will be drawn to prove uh, that leaves are green in the summer. We shall be left defending not only the incredible virtues and sanities of human life, but something more incredible. Grazie, good night. And the crowd would again go wild. Surely our conservative female savior for Italy is at hand. And I say publicly on Twitter. No. That's not what Georgia Maloney is doing, guys. In fact... What you will see are at first some very conservative-sounding things, some very conservative-sounding policies, but there will always be an undergirding of something that is just not right. Because Georgia Maloney is a technocrat. And man, oh man, did I get some backlash from some of my most loyal followers, saying things like, Mike, how dare dare you cast such a cynical light on Maloney's rise to power? She is a true conservative saying all the right conservative things. And in one case, I just answered back, technocrati, which set off quite a few fireworks when I said that. But this is what Maloney is. She and her handlers want power and power to now have conservatives cheering and eventually excusing what will be some very progressive things that she will end up doing in the years to come. Now, in the beginning, Maloney will do somewhat conservative things, but her interests will be global and technocratic in nature. And on Twitter, while I was in Italy this past summer, I explained that Georgia Maloney was a member of the Aspen Institute. Yes, that Aspen Institute that is funded by Bill Gates. Bill Gates, who is dedicated to making sure that the tragic events of January 6th never happen again. And of course, he's coming at that from the wrong angle. And I explained that Maloney ran on the slogan of God, country, and family, but is not religiously devout herself. And Maloney 
has a small child with her unmarried partner, a politically left-leaning male television journalist who works for Berlusconi's network. And Maloney's apparent cohabitation with him and having a child out of wedlock while proclaiming the need to return to Christian values was not really a problem for anybody because she was saying the right things. Because it is not what you do, really, and it's not what you have done in the past. It's just what you're saying now. But also in her famous anti-woke speech that went viral, Maloney basically blamed everything on financial speculators and not on the gradualistic attempt to deconstruct our civilization by those that are pushing a great reset from the United Nations and the World Economic Forum. Also interesting is that Georgia Maloney, in early 2021, Georgia Maloney was basically proclaiming the same policies for vaccine mandates that Mario Draghi was proclaiming while he was prime minister. The oh-so-supposedly conservative Maloney stated, quote, On vaccines, it is necessary to have the humility to rely on the scientific community. It is an issue that should not be addressed at an ideological level. We let those who have the skills decide which vaccines are necessary and obligatory. End quote. But just a few months later, as she was positioning herself to be the conservative candidate for the prime minister of Italy, Maloney completely changed her rhetoric without ever saying that she was wrong and said that she was against vaccine mandates. Huh. Maloney again did the same thing with the vaccine ID green pass, where in April of 2021, Maloney was actively supporting the rush of the EU digital certificate. Quote, adoption of a digital green certificate throughout the EU is a priority. And then, just five months later, without ever stating why she was changing her position, stated that the vaccine ID and travel green pass was restrictive and that it limits the freedom of Italian citizens. And then, of course, all the Italians cheered and said, she is our savior. Now, after she was accused of hypocrisy, Maloney defended herself, stated that she was supporting a different green pass, specifically the one that would allow international travel. And as I pointed out these contradictions on, on social media, I was told that I was opposing the only true conservative choice for Italy. And I responded, no, I was just pointing out that Miss Maloney is a technocrat, a populist, a technopopulist who will change her position as soon as it benefits her goals. And it was only two weeks later after Georgia Maloney was sworn in that Miss Maloney stated to the media that she would not hesitate to appoint technocrats to key positions. I'm not kidding. I'll go ahead and post this up in our show notes in the Breitbart article that can be linked. And I'm going to quote from that. Well, she's saying that she wouldn't hesitate to appoint technocrats to key positions if no suitable candidates within her allied parties, Matteo Salvini's League and Silvio Berlusconi's Forza Italia, sorry, Forza Italia, are put forward, arguing that ministry positions would not be used to solve internal party quarrels as Italy is facing serious problems. Yes, because Italy is facing serious problems, she is going to appoint known technocrats to keep positions. And that is because 
And that is because regardless of how much pushback I receive, even from my own followers and friends, she is a technocrat. And once again, after pointing this out, I was scoffed by those who want to believe that Maloney is the second coming of Margaret Thatcher. And of course, just a week after that, Miss Georgia Maloney was enjoying drinks with Klaus Schwab, declaring how she was looking forward to working with her friends at the World Economic Forum. Now, if you are someone who just wants to be caught up in the bandwagon moment of having absolutely no discernment for the sake of pretending that you just had a win, I can't help you. Because you need to celebrate the real wins. The real people winning the real races for offices for the real reasons. Because otherwise, you are just going to support a simulacrum of conservatism. Which is exactly what Miss Maloney is. And what Miss Maloney really is, is an actress. She is a technocrat. Well, let me give you a few other examples. Boris Johnson was regarded as the man to lead conservative leadership for the United Kingdom back in 2019. He said all the right things. He made the speech to convince the British to vote for Brexit, making sure that the actual conservative Nigel Farage didn't have that honor. He proclaimed himself to be a true fiscal conservative, and Boris declared that he wanted common-sense conservative principles back in charge of the course of England. But... At the same time, Boris Johnson signed an agreement with the World Economic Forum in 2019, pledging to do all that was required to transition the United Kingdom into the Fourth Industrial Revolution. Boris Johnson, in 2019, was hobnobbing and speaking to the United Nations representatives and corporate executives, telling them that the United Kingdom, under his watch, would lead the world in a green and equitable future. I mean... Boris Johnson basically said everything that Prince Charles would want him to say, word for word. And after basically turning over all of Westminster to Extinction Rebellion in 2019, and by the way, making it next to impossible to get our conference in Westminster running, and I mean that personally between myself and New Discourses, Boris also turned over all of Westminster to Black Lives Matter in 2020, just after the tragic death of St. Floyd where the police were mocked, jeered, and told to run from the mobs of radical Marxists trashing Parliament Square. And Boris Johnson was focused entirely on crushing the economy of the United Kingdom during that reflexive pandemic that actually was the thing that destroyed the United Kingdom's economy. It wasn't the pandemic, which was reflexive. It was the response to it, which was a Chinese strategy, destroying the financial futures of millions all while partying with his staff behind closed doors. And while at the same time making public service announcements that the United Kingdom needed to have a more feminine future. And then, of course, Boris Johnson just could not wait to hold the COP26 climate summit in the United Kingdom, where government leaders and corporate leaders from around the world brought their private jets and limousines to Scotland to dine on Angus Beef. And they dined on Angus beef while they drafted plans to make sure that you would never be traveling by plane in the future, that you would never own your own car in the future, and that you would be eating bugs in the coming years. And so you watched as the conservative prime minister, who had so many good conservative speeches to gain public support before in 2019, turn into the right hand of Klaus Schwab and the very green and very technocratic Prince Charles. And Boris came into office being regarded as a wild-eyed conservative. But in the end, Boris legislated and acted more like a socialist Fabian on steroids. 
because Boris was acting on behalf of those that are seeking to completely change the systems of the world, to put the citizens of each sovereign nation on their needs before their technocratic demigods. The move is technocratic. And whenever the progressive globalists really want to do a power grab, they don't use a leftist progressive. They always use fake conservatives like Boris Johnson. Because in the end, just like Georgia Maloney, Boris Johnson is an actor. Back in the United States in politics, we have all sorts of techno-populist actors saying all sorts of conservative things with no intentions of doing actual conservative things that will preserve our liberty and our inalienable rights. For instance... Governor Glenn Youngkin. Glenn Youngkin, the self-proclaimed conservative governor of Virginia, who took the current energy off the anti-woke movement in 2021 in his campaign for governor of Virginia and turned it into his new conservative campaign slogan. Yes, Glenn Youngkin became the biggest voice against CRT in Virginia politics for a season. Yes, Glenn Youngkin. The same Glenn Youngkin who had enjoyed his time in Davos at first as Chief Operating Officer at Carlyle Group, then Chief Financial Officer at Carlyle Group, and then the co-CEO at Carlyle Group with Song Lee. Now, much of this rise to power was guided by Carlyle Group co-founder David Rubenstein. The same David Rubenstein who made a massive contribution to the National Archives in Washington, D.C., Rubenstein gave $13.5 million to the National Archives for a new gallery and visitor's center. And that's where Rubenstein created an entire exhibition that visitors that came to see the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution of the United States, well, instead of walking up the massive staircase up to where the Declaration was centered above the Constitution like it used to be maybe 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years ago. And that's how you used to come into the National Archives. Well, now you had to come in through the bottom and you first go through the Rubenstein Center. So Rubenstein's exhibit now that you walk through before heading up to see the Declaration and the Constitution, well, Rubenstein's exhibit showed you that if you were black that the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution wasn't for you, it was for white men. It showed that if you were an American Indian, that the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution wasn't for you, it was for white men. Or that if you were a woman, that the Declaration of Independence and Constitution wasn't for you, it was for white men. If you were Latino, like my family from Cuba is, that the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution wasn't for you, it was for white men. If you were Asian, that the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution wasn't for you, it was for white men. And that was all planned and financed by David Rubenstein of Carlisle Group, one of the founders, the man responsible for Glenn Youngkin's rise at Carlisle Group and the World Economic Forum. And David Rubenstein wanted to make sure that before anyone views the Declaration of Independence in the Constitution, that they see our nation's documents through the lenses of critical theory, that they approach our founding documents with a critical consciousness. And Glenn Youngkin was aware of all of this while working as the CEO 
at Carlisle Group, where Carlisle Group states on its own page for diversity, equity, inclusion that, quote, we continuously strive to embed diversity, equity, and inclusion, DEI, into everything we do. This requires us to be actively inclusive, rewire processes, practices, and norms, and leverage our spheres of influence to make progress against our goals. By igniting action within our firm, our investments, and our community, we are making strides in DEI in the near term and laying the foundation for even greater impact into the future, end quote. Now, again, while running as the super conservative anti-woke governor of Virginia, Glenn Youngkin was attending a woke church, which at this point shouldn't surprise you. And when super conservative Glenn Youngkin won the governor's office in Virginia, Glenn Youngkin immediately hired former president at the Heritage Foundation, Kay Cole James, who was pressured and pushed out of Heritage Foundation in part because she was soft woke and initially did not condemn the riots and Black Lives Matter in June of 2020. Heck, I was with K. Cole James in the summer of 2020, and she was anything but anti-woke. Oh, and by the way, Glenn Youngkin was there too, as was David French. So it would be a surprise to many concerned parents who heard all the rhetoric regarding Youngkin and CRT to then hear that Virginia was pushing forward with social-emotional learning initiatives with Youngkin in office. Now, SEL had already been politicized by an education establishment that is now gaslighting parents on SEL, the same way that it gaslit parents for years on CRT. Then, just this past week, in response to Youngkin's very, very tough and very, very conservative stand on boys not participating in girls' sports, Youngkin responded to a transgender 17-year-old student asking about bathroom usage by saying that many students are involved in this decision and noted the importance of accommodating students highlighting the need for more school bathrooms, including gender-neutral lavatories. Glenn Youngkin specifically said this. He said, quote, people can use the bathroom that they, in fact, are comfortable with, end quote. Wait, so super conservative anti-woke Governor Glenn Youngkin, you want to allow 17 and 18-year-old biological boys to pull down their pants and their underwear in bathrooms with 13 and 14-year-old biological girls? But just to make sure that they aren't competing against each other in the long jump. Something is not consistent here because the people of Virginia voted for a man who said all the right anti-woke things to get elected. Still says a whole bunch of anti-woke things, but does things that just eight years ago that would have made Democrats cringe like allowing adult males to pull down their pants and be around young girls as they use the restroom. Like sort of letting some ninja social-emotional learning legislation pass through in education. Like hiring woke staff. Just like how the United Kingdom elected the very conservative pro-Brexit Boris Johnson. And then who transitioned, that's Boris Johnson, into a woke Nazi-like totalitarian as soon as COVID and Black Lives Matter got started. Heck, Boris went so green on environmentalism that he made Jeremy Corbyn look purple in comparison. Or just like Georgia Maloney, who went 100% anti-woke in her campaign for prime minister, who then, just a few weeks later after getting in office, was pledging her commitments to the woke Eye of Sauron at the World Economic Forum just a few weeks later. 
because there are a whole bunch of fake men and women that are populating all the popular circles in conservatism. And they are demanding your support. Matter of fact, they're demanding the allegiance of Republicans. They're guilting them into doing so. They're also saying all the right things now. Just like a whole new group of new, strong, anti-woke men that are coming into religious Christian and rightist Christian anti-woke circles. I mean, some of these guys literally came out of nowhere. Like, you wouldn't know their names a year and a half ago. They'll repeat some of the exact same things that James Lindsay and I have been saying for a half a decade. They will tell everyone to reject what we are saying because they have a plan. And we'll just repeat what James Lindsay and I have been saying for years. I mean, they aren't even original about it. Of course, at the same time, they slip in little things about making sure that everyone needs to know that classical liberalism has failed. And it is time to turn over authority to them, to the technocrats, the ones with the plans that will make sure that all of the things that you are concerned about are taken care of. Technopopulism. They use populist movements. They use populist phrases and ideas. They use the populist movements that they had no participation with until just a year or so ago. As a matter of fact, the anti-woke movement, well, I'm directly responsible for making that popular. Because when we started, as I said in the last podcast, there was nobody standing around me. And now, these new techno-populists, they will begin to call others after themselves, and they will demand allegiance. And of course, they want to take away your liberties. And they quickly head back and hobnob with the woke elites, just like Maloney did, just like Boris Johnson did, just like Glenn Youngkin is doing. So it isn't enough to just jump on a bandwagon with someone who is saying anti-woke things. It isn't enough to just support their next article that sort of says most of the right things. You have to take time and ask some questions. Questions like, hey, what the heck were you doing when it was costly to stand against the massive infusion of race Marxism and identity politics like four years ago? And you might want to ask for some receipts. And you might want to ask, when was the moment that they decided to speak up? And you might want to ask why they didn't speak up when it costs something to speak up. Because the progressive globalists know that if they really want to take control, if they really want to pass crazy authoritarian legislation like the Patriot Act or the Resist Act, that you need to have a fake conservative champion. You need to have a fake conservative champion who will push that legislation because the true conservatives will be hesitant to oppose the totalitarian autocratic power grab. That is how the Overton window doesn't necessarily move right or left, but it moves in an authoritarian direction consistently. And we must stand against this kind of entryism We must resist being used by these fake charlatans. We must stand against those that would move the plans forward of those that would steal our liberty and end our freedoms. We must stand against those pretending to be conservative, but are ravenous control freaks in shepherd's clothing. 
And at the same time, we must even stand alone because we must win. I'm Michael O'Fallon, and this has been Public Occurrences, both foreign and domestic. Thank you.